I became unwilling to settle for anything less than doing everything that I could possibly do to build as many relationships with those people that I could serve because I knew I could. Hey everybody, this is Carlo Navarro. Welcome to the podcast. Today is a very special, special episode because normally we, me and Jonathan Darling would co-host this podcast. And today the tables are somewhat turned. I am still on the host side, but we're going to have Jonathan as the guest today because he brings so much to the table from what this podcast is all about the message we want to bring to sales and marketing. And he's here today. I'm so excited. I, I woke up early to prepare for this and uh, I hope he's ready. Um, and for those of you who don't know, he's, he's such a, a great friend of mine. He's a mentor. Jonathan has really deep reflections and conversations on leadership in business and life. He's an author. I hope we'll talk about that a little bit. He's a father of three, devoted husband, and a believer, important of all things. So welcome, Jonathan, as the guest. That's some introduction, my friend. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. Like, that sounded so good. I got my notepad and pen out ready to take notes just from the introduction. Oh, my um, gosh. No, really appreciate it, man. Obviously, being able to be at a point in our lives and, and in our journeys where we get to do something like this together, talk about things that we're incredibly passionate about um, and bring the different aspects that we've learned through life and the different values and perspectives together. Um, you know, it's, it's such an honor to be able to, to be able to do this with you, man. So it's, it's cool to be the guest and I can't wait to be the one interviewing you next. Well, let's, let's, uh, I'm excited for this one first. So I just want to jump right into it. Right. And so leadership, you have often said that you don't have to be in a leadership position to be a leader. Right. And there's so many things to draw from that statement. Um, mm. what, what does that statement mean in, you know, in life and in business for you? Yeah. Um, you know, Carlo, that's, that's something for me that I learned a long time ago during my sales journey. Um, when I first got into sales, I got in, uh, I was a distributor sales rep. I, I'd been in the fitness industry beforehand, but, but in B2B sales, got into distributor sales, selling janitorial supplies and packaging supplies and equipment. And, and, the only thing that I ever really wanted to do was lead and lead a team. I wanted to be a sales manager. I wanted to lead a team and help people like me who were given a shot in sales to be successful. And for about five years, there was I, my focus for several years was being the best at what I did, crushing my numbers, destroying everybody, being the best of the best. It was, it was, yep. it was me alone. And um, I was told by a, a friend of mine and a mentor of mine, Matt Johnson. Um, he said, "He said, John, you know, leadership isn't about title, power, 
status, being the best, crushing everybody, winning every time. He said, leadership is about how can you be a positive influence Mm. in someone else's life? How can you help? How can you help the people around you crush it and destroy their numbers and be the best and win the most? And he said, you don't need a title to lead that way. And, and just that conversation, Carlo, it took me on this journey of, of really wanting to, to discover what that looked like and, and, and starting living that out. And today, almost 10 years later yep. to that conversation, um, I can sit here and say that I have led in so many ways and been put on stages as an expert talking about leadership, been interviewed on inter- international radio, podcasts, all types of things, um, talking about how to lead with love, which is service, and just how do we, how do we love and care for others. And I, and I just believe that is the difference in business. I believe it's the difference in sales. I, I think when we start understanding that that all of this is about how we use our gifts, talents, and skills paired with our products, services, and solutions to go out and serve the people that we love to serve. It, it success is the byproduct of that. And so, you know, and that all starts with people learning how to lead and from, you know, a titleless position, if you will. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, when people hear sales, it's it people have a sort of allergic reaction <laughs> when sure. they hear the word sales or salesperson saleswoman salesman it, it it's sort of this dirty word about um you know in the business that all they care about is is money mm-hmm. um and but you you're taking a really different position out of that saying that it's more service than being you know than 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 self-serving right and, and yeah. Where where did that come from? Was there an experience that led to that during your your early selling experience during your early business or was it what sort of what maybe you were on that maybe you were on that side before like you said where cash was king or or you know selling crushed everything like was there a moment that that made you kind of flip that switch? <laughs> Well, it's, it's, that is such an interesting question because, yes, I very much so was cash is king, make make the money, like blowing out my commissions. Like there was there was never a time that I wasn't over 100% of plan on every aspect of my plan. Um, never have been. It still never happened. And because I'm like... <laughs> pay me my money. Like, uh, like mm-hmm. let's do this thing. But it, it's really crazy, Carlo, because I can say that's how I feel about that side of it, but I've always done it this way. I've always been someone who just builds relationships with as many people as I possibly can and, and figuring out how I can, how I can help them and how I can use what I've been given to help them. And, and I don't think that I understood it from the position that I understand it from now. I just knew the importance of going out and meeting as many people as possible and, and finding ways to help them. And it it started as a little kid. I've, I've just, um, 
you know, I remember going to to nursing homes as a little kid with my dad and my sister. My dad would play guitar, and and my sister and I would go and we would sing hymnals to a lot of these uh, a lot of these elderly people and and special needs folks. I mean, we would. I mean, every week in the summer, we were doing this at multiple different nursing homes. And I just always remember that conversation with my dad. Like my dad didn't get paid to do it. It wasn't something that he did. And I was like, dad, like, what, like, why do we do this all the time? And he goes, he goes, son, when you're, when you're given an, a, a gift, that gift is to be used for other people. And, and we've been given the gift of being able to play and sing and do these things. And he said, these people sit in there and they don't have people that come in and do this type of stuff for them and help them remember this stuff and do all this stuff. And this helps them get through their days. And so from a very young age, I was just taught that like, when you see people in need, you do something about it. When you, when you are around people, you see people, you interact with people and, and, you know, my parents have told me stories my entire life of, you know, me knowing every single person at the McDonald's that my grandpa would take me to all the time. They knew who I was and I knew who they were because I would just come in and talk to everyone and everyone uh, all, you know, always felt like I like I was their best friend and I cared the most about them. And, and yeah, it's just but I believe all of that helped me lead to this is just how I do. I interact with people. I find ways how you to feel. Help them. Yeah. You know, it's you do it, and that that feeling that what you're saying is really, again, really intriguing to me because when you you mentioned the word the gift, and do you feel like you think salespeople fall short because they they feel like they don't have, I guess, the solution, and feel like they're sort of they're serving with their solution to the right person, and it's sort of a force because I've been in that position in sales mm-hmm. when I was. Um, in early in my career, and uh, like many salespeople, I didn't I didn't succeed right away. It was very not traumatizing, but you're sort of left out there. You're like, do I really care? One, do I really care about what I'm selling, mm. or do I care about the people that I'm serving? At the end of the day, what I really wanted to care about was hitting my metric, whatever that was, that was set for me, so that I sh- couldn't fail. How do you, with your experience in, in, in leadership and now bringing into sales, how do you how do you talk to someone in this position that say is new to sales, and they're given this task, mm-hmm. and here you go, and how do you lead them in a way where they understand, uh, you know, their their sort of value in this in this marketplace. Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I came into the distribution industry and I would love to say that 13 years, uh, 14 years later, you know, however long it's been, um, that this is, this is the, this method has changed, but it, it hasn't. But when I came into distribution, I was, I'd been in the fitness industry, running gyms, selling personal training memberships, all this stuff, running clubs and, um, you know, I'd never been in formal sales training before or anything like that. So, so I come in, they give me about, you know, seven to 10 days of product knowledge training, a pat on the back, a kick in the butt, go get them tiger. And I have a sales plan, a sales territory and zero customers. <laughs> what do you do with that? Right. And so 10 days and it still happens today. It happens all the time and it blows my mind. And we, we wonder why salespeople, 
aren't successful and we we have conversations like and and there are going to be people listening to this that have had these conversations and let's just think about this in context oh man this dude's a superstar he's going to come in and crush it she's going to come in and crush it they're going to be awesome and then when they leave you know what they just i mean they just really disappointed they weren't picking up the business that they said they would or could and all this stuff and we keep blaming the talent when it's really when it's really something the companies are are setting them up for failure right and and what they're doing is is they make everything about the training process for the for the salespeople about the product mm. it, it's what i'm selling not who i'm serving and how i serve them yes and, and so because of that because of that they think their success or their message or the gift that they are giving to the customers is the product and it's not at all the product might be a part of the solution but it's not the answer right you are the answer me showing up following up being persistent in the pursuit of relationship with the customers that i know that could that could buy benefit or influence the purchase of my product service or solution and and knowing that i can serve them knowing that i can help them making building a relationship with as many of those people as possible the burden to which we go about our work how do i how do i find those people and serve those people and help those people and love those people and when knowing that that doing that i've got a solution and a product and something that can really help them but it's about i want to help them that's the mission that's the purpose and the gift that you're given Mm. is your ability to build relationships with people. If you've like some people, I, it's, uh, it's, you meet people and you're like, Oh, you're just a natural for sales. I can see you being in sales. You're just such a natural, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're just so natural at sales. That is because oftentimes these people have a more energetic, outgoing, positive energy about them. They are typically a little bit more, um, um, vibrant in in a social situation they're typically more engaging right all of those things are gifts <laughs> gifts that you have been given in order to build relationships with people and learn how you can love them and care for them and serve them and help them that's it it's not about what you can get in return it's about that and so yeah 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 that's amazing. It, I mean, it's a change of the narrative. It almost it reminds me of un, it's almost this sort of internal reflection of that person needs to understand what their gifts are and how to discover that. And if if building relationships is a gift, a a a journey for them may be in this business, right? If they're in the right situation, the right environment. Um, that's beautiful. I mean, that's that's. That's amazing. You so you mentioned packaging. I want to ha hang on there for a second because, you know, you spent two decades nearly in sales, biz dev, right? Big yep. focus on packaging distribution. I mean, obviously, no doubt how passionate you are about that space. Um, you know, looking back, can you talk about the experiences in that space and why? why you have such a desire and heart for that industry because i think it would be i think it would be an 
you know, I think it would be an interesting movie, <laughs> but I don't think it'd be like the social network. There won't be a social network film about packaging, right? But, you know, I could be wrong. But right. what led you, we know now why sales and biz dev, but why that space is not really the first industry that we think of when we think about sales and getting into that, into sales. Yeah. Um, so, so many different ways to go there. I mean, first and foremost, the reason why I'm so passionate about helping this industry become better and why this industry and, and what it, what it means to me is, you know, distribution in general, let's just, let's just generalize it as distribution. It changed my life. <laughs> like it, it changed my life. When, when I had just gotten married, I was, I'd been married for six months and my best friend, the best man in my wedding was living in Knoxville, Tennessee. And he was like, Hey man, you should come sell toilet paper with me in Knoxville. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm running gyms and clubs and this types of, uh, I'm not interested, man. And he's like, no, man, like come, come sell toilet paper with me. And so <laughs> ended sure. up, moving, yeah, why not? Uh, end up moving my family, uh, my wife and I from Birmingham, Alabama up to Johnson city, Tennessee was the first town that I lived in, in Tennessee. And that's where I started my, my career in distribution and starting in janitorial and packaging supplies. We, we sold both and, you know, um, we were making a, a little bit more money, um, moving into distribution, but then like, you know, uh, I learned how to use my gifts and to serve people and to do it at a really high level and, and, um, became very successful opening up new business in distribution and, and learning how to find ideal customers and the, the right people to connect with and, and the activity that's needed for, to, to set meetings and all of those things. Like a, that became a skill set that I, um, that quickly was realized was different than other people in sales. I had a different mentality. I had a different engine. I had like, um, the, it, it was just something that man. And I, I, I found a love for it. Like I, I loved manufacturing. I grew up as a kid with my dad going to the, the TVA, the Pickwick dam and, and staying nights with him. And, you know, it's a, it's a power plant, but it's all, you know, turbines and all these things spinning. And I, I, I was just very enthralled with that that world and um, how things move together. I think that's why I liked exercise science so much, the function of things together. And, and so I just, I was like, man, I love packaging and, and man, selling stretch film and, and stretch wrappers and case erectors and tape and all this stuff is a lot more fun than selling toilet bowl cleaner and, and, and toilet yeah. paper. <laughs> right. And, and so I just created this skill set, and because of learning how to work in the packaging industry really, really well and in distribution really, really well, helping them be successful, I got recruited to the, the industry leader in stretch wrap equipment uh, manufacturing, a company called Lantech, and worked for several years just in distribution and getting, getting to meet more distributor reps like me that were out there and showing them how to be successful, showing them how to build territories and, and serve their customers. And dude, all of this time, the financial impact that it was making on my family because of this industry 
and and now where we're able to live the 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 things that we're able to do and uh, this industry changed my life. And so I, I, I love distribution. I love packaging. I love janitorial. I, I've worked in all types of distribution, working and consulting with electrical laundry equipment, all this type, right? They all struggle with the same stuff, how to find the right customers, how to get meetings with those customers and, and, and how do they help keep sales reps and help sales reps get successful quicker so that they make money. So they stay. And so they reduce the churn. They have higher employee engagement. They, um, they have, they have a, a, a more positive revenue stream. Their, their people are happy. Be their salespeople are happy because they're making money and their customers are happy because they are being loved on by the, these salespeople creating these incredible experiences for them. I, I can help people do that. And when I, when I see people that I help and I work that they're making more money, they're setting more meetings, they're doing those things. And, and because of that, they're able to take care of their families differently and better, or maybe go on that vacation or afford that wedding ring or buy that vacation home, which has happened. <sighs> yeah, man, why not? Like, I just love yeah. it. That's awesome. And it seems like there's a lot of opportunity in, this, in that industry. Do you think they continue to struggle with the things that you talked about? Yes, every day. Like, I, I still work with and, and, you know, even now consult in in distribution and, and all this stuff. It's why I wrote my book, right? You had mentioned at the beginning um, was, was because as... Te technologically advanced their products may be getting, they're still doing business and training and operating like it's 1993, right? And, yeah. and so they still struggle with knowing who their customers are, they, th who their real customers are, their ideal customers, who they really serve at a high level. They, they still struggle with understanding all of the different stakeholders and that could buy benefit or influence you know, um, how to find them, how to identify them, how to, how to connect with them and build relationships with them. Um, you know, they still struggle with all this stuff because most of the time these distribution companies are still training on, it's about what I'm selling, not about who I'm serving and how I serve them. Is, is that the result of kind of changing up the guards changing of times, the, the shift of management that was there before has preconceived ideas of, of how things continue to run and how it was successful before, or is it, do you see that shifting or what's sort of your opinion on that? The ones that are shifting, I think if you see, if you see shifting in it, you see it in pockets. You might not see it in all. So like, let's say if you take a, um, a uh, huge multi-site packaging distributor. I'm not uh, maybe like a Veritiv. Okay, I'll I'll just use a name. And Veritiv is a great sure. company. They were they were a distributor of mine for a long time. Great company. I know a lot of people who still work there. Um, Martin, Bob, you guys, what's up? Little shout out. But um, 
but I think that the challenge is, is that you have that shift in perspective in pockets. It's not, it's not full blown across the board. You have some younger leaders that are coming in, um, uh, into the packaging industry that are, that are moving up in these companies that, that have see this different shift, but there's still a lot of the, you know, what got us here will get us there and that type of mentality. And it's just not, it's just not the case. The, the, the market is changing. The consumers are changing the, the avenues in which we can build relationships and familiarity and trust are changing. And if, and if we're not taking advantage of all of those avenues to communicate, uh, communicate with, with the people that we love to serve, then we're drastically limiting our ability to serve. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so. And, and I gotta say this too, and I and yeah. I mean this. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If you truly believe what you do can help a customer, so like in the packaging industry, I knew working with Paragon Stretch Film, I knew selling a Lantec piece of equipment that I could change my customer's ability to do what they do, to help them save money, to help them uh, uh, reduce damage when shipping their loads. I knew that I could do those things at a really high level and help them be more profitable, help them get more products to the people that they love to make products for. And so for me, it was one of those things. I became unwilling to settle for anything less than doing everything that I could possibly do to build as many relationships with those people that I could serve because I knew I could. Nothing stopped me. I didn't care if I was making cell phone videos, whatever it is. And and to me, there's a there's I think we little tangent. I think we need a little bit more of that. Like we need to stop being scared to go after the people we love to serve. We need to start having champion, you know, have champions who are willing to do everything that they could do to go get it. Do you think marketing's a, a one of the blockers there? I think the inability for sales and marketing to work together is a blocker there. I think marketing, I think there's so much marketing does, you know, I, I sometimes say I'm a marketer trapped in a salesperson's body. Um because I believe in our ability to tell a story. I believe in our ability to understand how to educate our audience, the people we love to serve about how we love to serve. Marketing plays a huge part of that. And so I think that's one of the things that we have to do is, is look at how can marketing help us as individual salespeople um, uh, communicate our message to the people that we love to serve because the marketing people often have a better understanding of who our ideal customer is who our ideal customers are than we do. And so there's so many ways that they can, that they can help make sales teams better and more effective and more efficient. Um, but right now that the relationship between the two of them is, is the blocker. Yeah. You know, in uh, Harvard business review in 2006 released an article saying uh, quote, the title of it was ending the war between sales and marketing um, 17 years later, right? I think we're still having that as uh, similar challenges. Um, and we feel like there, there, maybe there still is a war between sales and marketing that uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out. And, you know, it's interesting. One of the suggestions in this article back in 2006 was to how to alleviate sort of this tension is to, to appoint a liaison between the two. 
so my question, I think I, I, I wanted to ask you and I, 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 I've been waiting to ask you is this, if you were appointed a leader in a leader in this space, say like the, like a chief revenue officer, mm-hmm. right. It's, it's, so now it's your chess move now. Now, what would be your first move as that person between sales and marketing? Ooh, um, my first move is, is this, um, is I would bring us together as a team, right? The two sides. And I would say, okay, here's the goal. How do we take the things that you guys in marketing are incredible at and the things that you guys are in sales at? And how do we help find a way to magnify those things? And so I would start having us start these conversations about, hey, marketing, what do we understand about our audience? What do we understand about our customers? Have the salespeople, hey, how does that make sense for your biggest customers? Like the customers that like, they're our best partners. They love to work with us. How does, and I would just start creating that conversation of getting us together combined as a team to better understand who we serve. And I think once we took the attention off of who's the most important, was marketing the most important or sales the most? No, no, no. Let's take the focus off of us and let's put the focus on who do we love to serve? And and then how do we find as many of those people as possible to go serve them? That's great. I mean, it's funny. I I actually wrote down, is ego the enemy? 100% it is. And... I think it is. You're, you're right. It, it it is, it is getting rid of this sort of uh, con- preconceived notion that marketers are creatives, and um, versus sales who cares about cash. So it was creatives versus cash, and I think that's been the the mantra for a long time. And even back in 2006, when this was published, it still seems to be a very much head to head combat about who gets things done and how it gets done where there's always a bottom line to survive. And I think that's a great first move. Well, and it's like this, it's, uh, there's two different analogies. I just, that I thought about for this. There's this one, which I don't know that I love, but, but think of marketing as the sniper and think of sales as the rifle and the bullet. Okay. Or think of marketing as Cupid and sales as the arrow. Gotcha. They have to, they have to work together. Marketing can help us get laser focused on who we serve, how we best serve and the people that we should be building relationships with, how we should be communicating our stories to those people so that we're, we're connecting with them. We're building value. We're educating all of those things. And then, and then, and then they shoot that out through the salespeople to go touch the hearts of their ideal customers. By, by empowering them and, and, and propelling them out into the market to serve the hearts of, of, of our ideal customers. And 
like there's such an integral piece there of of how to understand the 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 salesman's part in the feedback of what adjustments the one doing the aiming needs to make. Correct. And the the recipient of that is the folks that they need they have a need and they're just looking for that person to come in and and kind of have a potential solution for them. Yep. Let's let's hang on sales for a bit because I think that's I love talking to you about sales because that's not my wheelhouse and I and I think people will no really I think people will, will learn so much from you about about um, you know sales in general but let's dig a little deeper. I recently read another article, did some of my research. It was an article in Destination CRM and it, and it talked a lot about top of funnel versus bottom funnel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, an article by. Uh, Jim Dickey, I believe. Uh, it was just recently. Uh, it was um, there was a quote in there that I found really interesting, and I loved to get your take on it. Uh, wh- what you feel is sort of your position in this um, sort of statement, and I'll, I'll read a quote real quick. And it's it's talk about what's going on today, kind of in the marketplace, the economy. We we all, we're feeling everyone's feeling a lot of, a lot of stress here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have no idea what's going to happen in the next six, eight, twelve months. The quote. As we recently wrapped up Q1 2003, and I'll, I'll paraphrase some of this, not so long. Uh, if history is any guide, many sales organizations might as well be starting to feel nervous about hitting the revenue goals for the year. Based on the fact that sales cycles always get longer in the face of economic uncertainty, adding more deals to the top of the funnel might not be a practical way to move the revenue dial for 2023. Instead, sales organizations could be better served by looking to provide their teams with sales enablement tools to meet, to close more of their already existing opportunities. This is top of funnel versus bottom funnel. Where do you stand in terms of opportunities when you talked about relationships And, and in general success when it comes to sales? Where where do we focus in your opinion where should where should we laser in with that arrow here's what i think is incredibly interesting about this and and you're actually probably going to not see this coming out of my mouth like i i think i think maybe you think i might take it a different route i don't understand why it has to be either or why can't it be yes and? Like that's it's it's the problem. That is that is the problem with why organizations struggle in revenue growth because they make it about either or instead of yes and. Yes, you have the ability because of already pre-existing relationships within opportunities. It and that is that is now here's a caveat to that. That is if the data or the opportunities that are entered into your CRM that you see on your pipeline are actual real activity versus crap that's been put in there to fill a pipeline quota, right? So, so assuming that these opportunities are legitimate and that there's valid relationships that have been built there um, and there's value that can be, that's going to be the easiest route to close business. Because they're pre-existing relationships. But if you're, if you're not focused on building net new relationships, you'll lose. 
But 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 that's a problem. The reason why Carlo peop- companies believe that, uh, and why I think that this guy's statement is so incredibly interesting, is people ha- uh, companies believe the focus constantly has to be on net new because they're losing so many customers that probably should have never been customers to begin with because they're not your ideal customers. Hmm. They don't, they don't fit how you serve. So a lot of distribution, distribution margin, like uh, gross revenue year over year after EBITDA and all that stuff is about one and a half percent. Okay churn in a lot of these organizations is is incredibly high on customers like i've seen churn rates as uh, like 40 30 20 20 percent i think somewhere around in there is is industry average it may be a little bit lower now but when i was really in it that was it so you're losing 20 percent of your customers or business so you've got to pick up new business every year the reason why that is is because we're oftentimes losing customers because they're not our ideal customers. They're not Mm. the people that we can serve in multiple different ways. We've not built the right relationships um, at our right customers. And so we lose the ones that don't fit. But because we think of it as, well, I just lost customers, we're willing to go after anybody and everybody. We tell sales reps in the packaging industry, this is how I was told. Go, go, you know, go call on as, as many people as you can. You got to pick up as many customers as you can. Well, how do I know which ones are the right customers? Well, if they can ship something, they're the right customer. That's not right. the truth. But we focus our time and our effort with the wrong people at the wrong companies, and then we lose them. And so it becomes this constant transition battle. If we spent more time finding and connecting with our ideal customers, the people that we can serve. Like, so at Lantech, when we did this with the systems integrator team um, that I led, if, if, if you wanted to be a customer, a a true partner with Lantech and the systems integration team, then you had to be able to, you wanted to build relationships. You needed to give us access to all of your applications engineers. You had to be able to sell both of our product lines, stretch wrappers and case erectors and case sealers. Um, you, we had to do joint planning together and, and all of these things. We, we, we had to fit this criteria. If you did not fit the criteria, we weren't focusing a lot of our time on you. Because now we were wanting to build wider and deeper relationships with the people that we knew we could serve at a really high level and really bring a lot of value to the market with. And the next thing you know, your churn rate goes down because you're building more relationships with the right customers. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about wider and deeper? Sort of that, that, that phrase and that strategy you have that you just mentioned. Yeah. So the wider and deeper strategy... Um, it's really just relationship-based selling is, is what it is. But, but the idea of it is, and if you think about it in distribution now, so I've, I've done this training with lots of janitorial and packaging distributors, uh, laundry equipment distributors and electrical, right? So these are the industries that I've, I've done a lot of consulting in. Um, and this is what I ask them. If you look at, um, your industry and your products, what you do, what, what are all the products that you can sell? And we list them all out. I'm like, cool. I was like, now, I want you guys to think about, let's say, a manufacturing company, a food and beverage manufacturer. 
who are all the people that could buy, benefit, or influence the purchase of your product, services, or solutions within that company? So you start out if it's food and beverage, and let's say it's a janitorial and packaging supply company. Well, it's shipping, operations, VP of ops, plant manager, maintenance, um, uh, uh, EVS, uh, quality, um, janitorial staff, uh, facility manager, uh, like uh, uh, line worker, shift worker, um, um, uh, supply chain and logistics manager, procurement, right? Right there, there's 14 people who could buy, benefit, or influence the purchase of your product, service, or solution. Each one of those people could potentially influence multiple product lines, right? And so now we're talking about having conversations with way more people within one account. And so we're talking about creating opportunities. It's the, it's the money ball. It's money ball sales. And it's just how many runs can we create within within a single account? And so you build relationships with all those people, but here's what you don't realize. Like you, like I wrote the book, double your sales in 12 months. You want to double your sales in 12 months, do this and do it with your current customers and do it, go out and find the new ones and do it there too. But, but literally you create all of these opportunities within one building. So now you're shipping stuff, more stuff to one. So your margin goes up. Now you have so many relationships in there. The customer's more sticky, less churn, because if that new person, let's say someone leaves, let's say Joe in the shipping department leaves. And that's the only relationship you have, which packaging professionals, if you, I know most of you, (laughs) there's a lot of you that only have that relationship. Stop it. But, but if you only know Joe in shipping and Joe leaves or gets fired, or God forbid right. dies. Yeah. You and don't Jimmy comes in, your relationship's done because Jimmy was working down the street and he's got a relationship with your competitor. And next thing you know, you've lost your business. If you know every if you know 17 people in your customer and you're loving and caring about them and serving them, and Jimmy comes in, he's gonna have to convince 16 people to change their business from you to his new guy that they don't know that they don't have a relationship with. And the risk of change is greater than the risk of staying where they are. So they stay, you lose less customers, you make more money. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not rocket science. (laughs) You know, it's just go build relationships with people, man, ask questions, be curious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's, when you when you hear yourself, when I hear you talk about wider and deeper, and I think this is where marketers, hey marketers, if you're out there listening, you know, isn't it, doesn't that resonate really well with us on ABM uh, account based marketing? I you love account based marketing. And what if we use those two together, right? Yeah. I think that is the bridge that uh, that needs to be built to maybe start to win those battles between sales and marketing because we all have very similar thought processes and uh, ideas of how to, you know, either tactical or strategy, how to, how to approach in our relationship. And I think there are some similarities that could be, it could be there. Well, and think about this, Carlos. So I've gone through several with, with my, my, uh, with working at, 
as a as a global like go to market person and and in different things like I've worked with um, marketing in global organizations, right? Huge global organizations, and on an account based marketing strategy for customers in the CPG segment in food and beverage. Okay. So one of the things we do, there are three different levels to the ABM, right? Like, and the way that we look at it, you have a one-to-one company to company, right? Company to, you know, max out, you have one to a few and then one to many. Mm -hmm. Think about this with a, with a sales rep being able to do the one to many approach more direct to the exact stakeholder, all of those stakeholders that they need to be relationships with, inviting them into a conversation about how that salesperson could potentially serve them or work with them or how they've helped other people or like, hey, I just want to get to know you because I work with people like you. Imagine being able to do that at scale. And and yeah. it's it's account-based marketing one to many. many. Mm-hmm. but individualized and authentic. Yeah. And that requires time, right? And I think that's when you look at time as it ties back to what we were talking about, that article in uncertainty. And I think when there's scarcity, time becomes, uh, you know, we're very scared because we think we're lacking that time. And how do we leverage for that? I think is the big question. How do we, how do we leverage time and scale to be able to do the things we need to do faster, not necessarily more unauthentic, but in the right context. And I think that's the, I think that's yeah. when we start to look at and get pretty nervous, right? About business and, you know, these, these sort of storms in our life start to creep in. I, I've been there and, you know, it's, it's dealing with what I love about what you're talking about is not just so tactical, but that it also ties back to how you talk about leading yourself mm. and dealing with these uncertainties and technologies and new things you don't know about. Um, Do you know what the problem with uncertainties are, Carlo, especially in sales? If you're, if you're uncertain about your future, if you're uncertain about your customer's buying cycle, mm-hmm. the sales cycle. If you're uncertain about investing in your people to help them be better salespeople, well, the the first problem is is that you're focusing on yourself and not who you serve. Number one problem. Because yeah. if if companies and organizations focus on serving and building relationships with as many people as they could serve. They wouldn't be worried about a recession. They wouldn't be worried about customers buying because people would be banging down the door to work with them. And and so when you look at this, it's like, you know, because we talk a lot about automation and using automation and how can automation still be authentic and all of those things. Look, it, it's the same issues and challenges that they had when, you know, video games came out and the newsletters, oh, newsletters, blah, blah. and then when podcasts, nobody's going to listen to podcasts. And then it was, oh, you know, well, YouTube, well, nobody's going to watch videos on YouTube. Arr, nobody's... Right. Nobody's going to learn about sales on YouTube. Nobody does that. Nobody talks about leadership on YouTube. And now look at it. The problem is, is we've got to get over. We've got to start looking at automation as the, as a tool that we could use to serve more people 
Yeah. Or, or, sorry, my, apparently my wife's, uh, can you hear that? No. Oh, my wife's weed eating outside. Um, but, <laughs> but like, you know, all of this stuff is a tool. And, and the earlier you get on board with learning how to use the tool. Yeah. To, to, to authentically use the tool to connect and build relationships with the people you want to connect and build relationships with then the more successful you're going to be. Because again, you stop thinking about well, what are we going to, our recession and all this stuff. No, think the, the conversation needs to be, how do we go pedal to the metal, double, triple down on finding the people that we serve the best and going and building as many relationships as possible with them. Yeah. If that's your focus, you're, you're not going to worry about salespeople leaving. You're not going to wor- have to worry about economic downturn because you won't have time because because you will be serving you will be working with so many people making so much money you 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 won't have time to worry about those things because you'll be in the now you serve people in the now you worry about tomorrow if you're in tomorrow you can't serve yeah so i mean you sort of answered my uh, my next question around (laughs) you know how do you really begin to lead in times of you know situations that are you know stressful or or um you know, or troubling, right? How do we, how do we get over those things? And I think you're saying that part of it is, is looking for new ways and being open to figuring out how to serve your customer better, even if it makes you a little bit more uncomfortable. Yeah. Why? I mean, why not? Why not? They're the reason why we're here anyway. Your product only exists because there was a, because someone was having a problem that needed to be fixed. That's the only reason why your products exist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so if that's the case, find as many of those people who struggle with those same issues and go love on them and let them know that there's somebody there to help and that there's somebody there that understands and cares about that issue and sell and, and look, you like that's what selling is. And and I'm telling you, it it radically it radically changes the game because the focus is you can't focus on yourself and be strategic about how you're serving because you're only looking at yourself. So you can't actually see the people you're serving, how you're serving them, where you're serving them, the best way that you're serving them. And since you're only looking at you, a lot of these companies and and a lot in distribution, they're grabbing at straws, trying to figure it out when the answer is right there in front of them. Look at your best customers. Right. What is it about them that makes them your best customer? What all do they buy from you? Who are all the people that you have relationships in there? What do they say? Not what, what do they say your value is as a company? Not what you think your value is to them, but go ask them, Hey, why do you really work with us? What value do, do you believe we bring to your organization? Learn those things from your, from your best customers. Hmm. And then go find as many of, of, of similar, as many companies that are similar to that as possible and go do the same thing and go do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, that it, it goes to the fact that you're, you're, you're trying to even get to know your customers who are great ones even better. And it plays mm-hmm. into the, how do you get that 1% better? Right. I love, I love that term because what it tells me is that you're not looking for that incremental 20% jump 
50% change. You're looking for that small thing that could make a difference. And I think that in turn uh, resonates caring that you care about the little details about the relationship versus, well, when you're, when you're, when you're, uh, when you're different, let's talk versus what can I do to build this relationship? Yeah. Small, small stones, right? Yeah. And, and, and not making it about what the immediate return is. Right. And like, I get it. I know that we have metrics. I know that we've got to measure success and sales and all of those things. But I, but I think, I think part of the issue is that our metrics and the things that we're measuring are making our salespeople transactional. And so we have sales managers that, that are, that are, 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 barking at their teams, build relationships, build relationships. You got to build more relationships. When they get with them, they're like, how many calls have you made this week? What, how many quotes have you sent out? How much, what's your pipeline size? What's closing at the end of this quarter? How much, how much money are you going to be closing at the end of this quarter? How much revenue you're going to be bringing in? We, where's the questions about the relationships? I thought it was about relationships. Now you're telling me, Oh, it's no, it's not. It, you don't really want me building relationships. You want me hitting numbers. Hmm. Okay. So then I'm only going to focus on the numbers. And, and so, you know, there's a part of that, that we've, we've got to understand that sales is the byproduct of the relationships we build. And, and so, you know, we need to be having the conversation. Oh, Hey, John, you know, Carlo, you've been working with that customer now for four months. You picked them, you up their business with stretch film and you know how's that going with them oh it's really good hey so so who do you have relationships in there with uh, right now well i know the shipping manager and then the the purchasing person because they're the ones that cuts the po oh awesome so hey who else are you planning on uh building relationships with over the next two weeks within that customer hmm. right like our conversations need to be about who else are you building relationships with and how can how, you serve them? Yeah. And how can you serve them? And 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 all the other stuff will come. You can still measure all of that stuff. It's just the the the, the avenue to get there mm. um, creates longevity. Yeah. Uh, it, it creates f- raving fans, fans for life, right? Evangelical fans about what you do. That yeah. that's the that's the that's what we're moving towards. If everything's transactional. My goodness, man! Like you'll you'll run yourself into the ground, and and you know, and why is that so? Why is that so attractive? I guess not attractive, but when you look at when you look at you know movies or you look at social media and you're seeing these salespeople on there, and then it's all about like crushing goals, and you're not doing X, and it that's a t- I mean the way you explain sales. And the way you explain serving people is such a tectonic, like a huge tectonic shift in the way we think about sales. And I know other people do think about that stuff too. But the the majority of people that are out there, that I guess what we're seeing is like this hard nose, you know, going a hundred miles an hour. What are your metrics? And why do we continue to buy into that though? Um, as consu- I guess as entertainment. Well, because again, we think it's, we think it's all about the money. Hmm. We, we think that's the, the, we think the money is the definition of what makes us successful. Hmm. And so 
And so when we when we look at that, that's the flashier part of sales. If you're really good at sales, you make a lot of money. And when you make a lot of money, you have a lot of freedom to do whatever you want to do and live your life however you want to live it and all this stuff. And and in the in the in the real reality of it, man, like I, I look at people who are who are solely income based professionals who's and maybe I haven't met any that have contradicted me to this statement that on the outside, they may look like they have it all and that everything's perfect. But then when you get in real private conversation with them, they're struggling and they've had failed marriages and they've got poor relationship with their kids because, you know, at this point, their whole entire life has been about, about the income and making more money and doing all this stuff and not the relationships that they built until one day they turn around and look in the relationships that they should have been building that were the most important to begin with are gone. And it's at that point, they're like, man, I think I really did it wrong. But at this point, they've been used to this life for so long. They don't know how to get back to it. And, and, and man, I just, um, I just think it's really easy to glamorize the, um, it's easy to look at a bodybuilder and be like, man, I want to look like that, man. I'm going to look like that. John Maxwell. I heard him say it. He has guys come up to him all the time and they're like, man, I want to be just like you, John. I want to do what you do. I want to do what you do. And he said, but nobody wants to do what I did. And the doing, the doing, the building of the relationships, that's the most important part. That's, that's the gold, man. That's the purpose of life is, serving other people and, and, um, and building meaningful relationships with people. And, and i and you see people that are incredibly, I am I'm, I'm meeting way more incredibly successful people who have, who have been service minded their entire life that are going, yeah, we, we hope nobody else finds out about this because, you know, uh, you know, the competition will get stiffer, but you know, people know about it. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. People know, service is the best way to do it but knowledge into action that's wisdom so a lot of people know this they just don't put it into action which is why they don't reap the longevity of the benefits and the and the return um that that a lot of these other companies are doing man jonathan thank you so much for starting to build that bridge and and bridge that gap not just in you know between sales and marketing but you know, in the way we approach our lives, or the approach leadership, approach uh, relationships, and can't wait to 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 have this. Uh, you know, have another opportunity to do this again because I, I think this is like, you know, part one for sure of many mm. that we need to really dig into. Thanks so much for your insights, man. I appreciate it. Your friendship. Uh, this has been amazing. We'll put everything in the notes of, uh, you know, the articles we mentioned, uh, all the details where you can find Jonathan, where you can find more about this podcast. So until next time, I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Jonathan, again, for spending this time with me, uh, you know, during the day, carving it out. Uh, and we will talk to you guys later. Yeah, man. Later.